women on the wing. And he got one man down just being him. He wearing Gucci, so he Gucci. He got to know me, I'll drink and do it. What's up, everyone? Back with another episode of the Fluid Football Podcast. Uh, my name is Avi. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Jacob. Jacob, what did you make of uh, Man City's thrashing of Liverpool yesterday? As much as I loved it, I don't know how much it means. Oh, you know what? All it does mean is that the Invincibles are now truly the best side that England has ever seen. Or Liverpool are just partying too much. Or Liverpool are just partying. There's a chance. But uh, either way, I mean, congratulations to Liverpool. What a season that they that they had, huh? Yeah, I mean, they actually have more losses this season than last season. But, you know, they just ran away with the title and were by far the most dominant team in the league. Um, so, yeah, congratulations to Klopp and all of the insufferable Liverpool fans out there. <laughs> yeah. The coronavirus is – the only good thing maybe uh, is that we don't have to endure – you know, Liverpool fans shoving in our faces uh, in person, at least. Yeah, that's, that's true. We can always talk about that asterisk, too, but right. what are you going to do? All right, Avi, yes. yeah, I mean, tell, tell us what we're doing today. Sure, yeah, yeah. So uh, we're going to talk about, um, you know, Barcelona's transfer policy and, uh, you know, how they've gotten it wrong so many times uh, recently and, you know, just our overall thoughts on, on uh, you know, what they're doing to, to rebuild the squad. Um, and yeah, I mean, we can, um, you know, this has been talked about a lot recently because, um, you know, Pjanic and Arthur swap, um, you know, became official recently. Um, so, you know, Twitter, you know, was just going crazy about it. Uh, you know, just absolutely, you know, bashing, uh, the Barcelona hierarchy, uh, because you have, you know, a 30-year-old uh, midfielder in Pjanic being swapped for a 23-year-old Arthur. And Arthur, you know, is arguably better already. It, you know, if not, he, he, will, he will be better than Pjanic in, you know, maybe a year's time. So it just didn't seem to make a lot of sense. Uh, and then it came out, you know, there's an interesting thread on Twitter um, by this guy named Swiss Ramble, I think. He's like a football finance guy. And he basically said that it was all about the finances for both clubs. Um, you know, specifically for Barcelona because, you know, they have so much debt over um, recent transfers. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what sparked this. And uh, I know you have a lot of thoughts about this, Jacob, because you are yeah. a Barcelona fan. I am a big Barcelona fan. Um, but this seems to just be another, you know, bit to the story, a bit this saga that Barcelona has been, you know, going through. Uh, these just poor transfer decisions, it seems over the past number of years, um, I'll probably talk extensively later on about uh, the transition that Barcelona's had from, you know, Pep Guardiola's reign to what the squad is now. There's only a few left standing, obviously Messi, Piquet, Busquets, but the players that they've brought in for the prices that they've paid have just been very questionable. And I think uh, we saw, you know, we'll talk a bit about it, but we saw the Neymar departure as well as the Coutinho, Dembele, uh, Griezmann signings. Barcelona is nearly single-handedly responsible for changing the state of the market. All, all, all prices are now relative to, you know, these records that they were setting. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, Real Madrid were kind of known for this more in the past, and now Barcelona are the ones who are, you know, buying and selling it. You know, ridiculous. I mean, I still cannot believe that Neymar got sold for over two hundred million pounds dollars or euros however you want to look at it it's still <laughs> a mind-blowing number and yet they've managed to uh waste that money in incredible ways so um, waste that money and and operate at a loss 
while they did it. It's incredible. <laughs> exactly. And not only not only have they paid crazy fees for players, but their their wages are the highest in Europe. I think the there was an article on Belicia Report that said their the average player salary is eleven million euros per year, which again is is significantly higher than the rest of Europe, which is just compounding the problem. Yeah, and um, that that article you know mentioned that. Uh, basically, 80% of the revenue is spent on players, you know, whether that's a transfer or a, um, a wage. And that is, you know, basically unsustainable. You know, you want that number to be closer to 50% or as low as possible, basically. So, you know, uh, the, the article basically just said that Barcelona are actually in serious financial trouble, and especially because of, of COVID-19. Um, so, you know, they, they, they're going to survive, but this could be a rough few years. And, you know, we've seen clubs fall from grace like AC Milan and and you know, even Manchester United, yeah, yeah. not as far, but Barcelona could be in, a, in for a uh, rude awakening when when Messi leaves. Uh, and speaking of Messi leaving, by by the way, today it came out that he uh, stopped his contract talks and he's prepared to leave the club when his contract expires in 2021. Uh, MLS, maybe. Maybe. Look, uh, I don't know how much I buy it um, until I hear something from Messi or Barcelona officially. I just, I mean. There's nobody else that the media would rather spark rumors about than Lionel Messi. He does. I mean, almost every every other year, it sounds like oh, Messi's gonna leave soon, and and then all these sources start linking him to City and Chelsea and and wherever. And now, of course, everyone wants him to go to Juventus to join Ronaldo, which would be really cool. But <laughs> I just I, I I don't see him playing for another European club besides Barcelona. I, I just can't see it. Yeah, I mean, we've we've heard a lot of these rumors before. It seems like. Um, I mean, if he was going to leave, I'd like to see him go maybe back to his home in Argentina, uh, play for, um, I forget what club he ended up starting at. But, um, but yeah, either there or the MLS. Or, I mean, Juventus would be pretty sick. I mean, to watch those, him and Ronaldo, like that's no, that just, would just be a, a video joke. game. That would be like yeah, a charity match. Like, yeah. I mean, um, crazy. Ronaldo's already 35. It just doesn't even make sense. I, I love the reports that talk about how he's biologically a 22-year-old or something. Like <laughs> He's just in, in peak shape. He'll, I think plastic he, surgery. he definitely has. I think he will go longer than Messi uh, at the top level. or By, by choice. I, I, I think Messi will... He's I mean, not going to go until his body can't do it. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. I think Ronaldo's addicted to the game. Well, for Messi, it's more okay. like he's doing it it's it's just it's just different i think yeah that's a whole other episode yeah. um yeah so we can we can get into you know we'll start with our worst transfers i think uh you know do we want to start from most recent or, or or the latest back let's you know we have a nice list here i, I want to start with let's start with some of the weird transfers that they've made because there are a couple sure. names that pop out uh first of which uh back in the seven before the seventeen eighteen season, they bought Paulinho from China for forty million euros, which is a substantial fee for a player playing in the Chinese league who seemed to be past it after his spell at Spurs. Just he a weird transfer. He was yeah, twenty nine at the time. Yeah, he was. It was it was kind of bizarre. And then you know, I think after that season, he actually had a decent season. He scored nine goals, and you know, I was reading it, and he you know was apparently you know very integral to their their title um, chase there. It was uh, fascinating. It was fascinating. But, but yeah. you know, when they made the transfer, it, was, it, it still seems like a, a pretty high fee for, oh, yeah, you know, for a, sure. player, I mean, a player like that. And the, the season after that, they loaned him to, um, back to the same club, and, and then he eventually got bought. So just another bizarre move by uh, Barcelona there. Very strange. 
they they kind of i mean in in some sense it you know makes sense you know because they want to it seems like they had like a, a short-term gap they want to plug in their squad but why spend 40 million why not just try to loan him you know if you're if you know you're gonna you know get rid of him after a year he's already 29 years old like i don't know it, it barcelona it seems very short-sighted um yeah, you know, in their transfer purchases, purchases, which is, I would say, unusual for for a club that of that stature. That, that that's absolutely been the theme of Barcelona over the last four or five years, though. It's very short sighted. They're not looking to. I mean, this is the the issue with Pjanic. They're not looking. It seems to rebuild long term. Um, you know, you already have a handful of players, key players that are over thirty years old: Messi, Busquets, Jordi Alba, PK, uh, and, and a few others uh, besides them. And the last thing that you should be doing is increasing your average age in the squad. And you've gone from 23-year-old Arthur, who people think may finally be the successor to Xavi or Iniesta, and, and, and replacing with a 30-year-old. You're, gonna, you're, just, you're kind of brushing the issue under the carpet. Yeah, and that move, I mean, that, I think it's purely financial because otherwise it just doesn't make sense. I mean, Pianic is fine. Like, he, he had a good season at Juventus, it seemed like, but... I mean, it just doesn't. You don't do that if you're Barcelona. You don't have to. You don't sell your your promising young 23 year old, you know, midfielder. That's just not a move that you would typically see. So that that to me screams, you know, they they really needed to um to get some cash and, and to, you know, relieve some debt, which is unfortunate uh, because then you still have guys like you know Rakitic or Vidal, who are 32 and 33 years old, just rotting away on the bench. Oh, it's it's very frustrating. It's it's amazing that that those guys are still at the club considering how how strongly they've been linked away. And it seems that Barcelona keep offering Vidal, Rakitic, Semedo in these swap deals and no one's taking them up on it. So it's a, it's a shame, you know, for Arthur uh, kind of yeah. almost being shoveled, forced out of the club right. um, when he seemed to be in, in prime position there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, g- going along with that, I mean, just on short-sightedness uh, and weird transfers, Kevin Prince Boateng. I mean, I could not <laughs> believe this was real when it happened. This is uh, 2018, 2019. He, he got loaned in from, uh, you know, where was he before? He was in, he was in Italy, correct? The Sassuolo. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Sassuolo. I believe. And it was just like a mind-blowing, mind-blowing move. It was, everyone was just kind of like, why? I mean, he, he made a couple appearances uh, and then he, you know, ended up going back to, uh, you know, Sassuolo. And uh, that was bizarre. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's just um, kind of emblematic of of where Barcelona, you know, was. They just also, you know, this season, um, you know, after Suarez got injured in the winter, they had the emergency option, or they bought Martin Branthwaite. Uh, you know, he got they got the emergency, uh, you know, ruling from La Liga, which is a whole other, you know, issue. I think, um, but you know that that in itself, it's like, why don't you have a backup striker? Why don't you have a backup striker? They paid 18 million pounds for the striker that was going to keep, I think it was Leganes up this season. Yeah. And I mean, so not only is it, is it a, a panic buy, but it's completely screwing over Leganes. And I don't know, you know, why La Liga allowed them to swoop in and, and make that deal. Leganes should have been allowed to, you know, then take action after that. Right. To, to kind of, you know, compensate for that. But uh, yeah, like what's, what are you doing? It's just, it, I don't understand that. Like, how do you not have someone else? Like, <laughs> you don't have a youth academy prospect. Like, you don't have someone else who can fill in. You have to, you know, go out and, and that, that's just to me is poor planning. How do you not have two, you know, out and out strikers on your team? 
that, yeah, that's it's, it's, something that blows my mind. It's amazing with the reputation of La Masia, um, you know, that there, there was no option. Right. To be, to be frank. Um, so that was a weird one. One more, you know, I think that the next panic buy that we should talk about, not, not panic buy, short-sighted buy, would be Malcolm. Um, this is one of the funniest uh, bits of transfer you know, news that, that I think we've seen in the last few years. So Malcolm was linked with Roma and he was just about ready to sign with them, correct? And yep. Barcelona, who had not been linked with them at any point prior, all of a sudden bids slightly more for him, seemingly to prevent Roma from, from getting a signature. It was hilarious. It was so weird. It was just like, yeah, Barcelona's hijacked the transfer and everyone's just like, why? Like, it doesn't even make sense. Like, it just seemed like a spite thing. Like, they just didn't want Roma to get a young, promising player. And then, you know, they, he played a few games. You know, he scored, I think, in the Champions League, like, once or twice. And then they sell him, you know, for one, one million less than what they bought him for to Zenit, uh, you know, where he's, he's I, I don't know how he's doing really, but <laughs> I see him pop up every, every now and again. But it was just like, you know, why are you doing this? It, no, that was just outrageous, like purely, purely out of spite, it seems. And they had Dembele and Coutinho at the time. It was just like, <laughs> come on, come on. You're not, they weren't even planning on playing him. No, that, 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 that right there is just kind of like, it just shows to you, like, you know, the hierarchy just kind of has this arrogance, like, oh, like, you know, the finances don't matter. Like we can just buy whoever we want. And obviously now with the, the pandemic, it's really going to, you know, the finances could really come back to, to haunt them here. Yeah. Um, now, before we move on to the uh, the headline signings, let's talk about the goalkeeper situation because Barcelona's had some some funny goalkeeper business as of late. You know, uh, they replaced Victor Valdez with Ter Stegen and Claudio Bravo. Signed them both. Uh, they split. Ter Stegen actually started off only playing cup matches. Bravo was the the main man. They sold Bravo to City. Brought in uh, Jasper Sillison as Ter Stegen's backup. And then swapped him with Neto last summer at Valencia. Yeah, they. Um, I guess they bought Neto for twenty six, and then exchanged Silicon for thirty five. So I guess they they made you know around nine million in profit there. But it's just like it's just a bizarre move again. You know, Neto is um, you know I think he's yeah he's he's thirty years old. I mean that's I mean for keepers you know you get a little more age out of them um, than outfield players, but. Still, it just seems like, you know, another bizarre move here, uh, you know, to you have Sillison, who's I'm sure a fine backup, and then you're going to buy a player <laughs> who's, you know, pretty old, um, you know, for a substantial amount, amount of money. And for a backup keeper, I mean, you shouldn't be spending 26 million pounds. No, that's exactly what I was about to say. Um, that's a lot of money. You can get a lot of players in a lot of other positions for that money. Um, Bernd Leno was less than 26 million pounds, first of all. Much better keeper than Neto. Second of all, still wouldn't spend that much money on Leno as a backup keeper. Um, and again, you saw this uh, this season, Suarez gets hurt and there's no backup striker. They didn't need a backup goalkeeper. They could have bought like Alexander Isaac for like $5 million, and he would yeah. have been great. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Um, right. What's that? No, I'm just, I, I lost my train of thought there for a second. Let, let, let's jump into the big money signings, the big, big money signings, besides that backup goalkeeper price. Um, 
So Barcelona sold Neymar for about 225 million euros a couple seasons ago to PSG. And in order to replace him, which still seems like it hasn't been done, they purchased Felipe Coutinho and Usman Dembele the same summer that they sold Neymar for a combined 270 million euros. And they bought Antoine Griezmann uh, this past summer for 120 million euros. That's, that's about 400 million euros for three players, none of which have lived up to, you know, have filled Neymar's shoes. What do you make of that? It just uh, screams desperation to me. I think it's not only Neymar's departure, it's the impending, you know, Messi's departure, whenever that may be. Uh, you know, they just seem desperate to find that player who they can hang their hopes on or hang their hat on. And, uh, you know, you're just not going to find a player like Messi. And you're probably not going to find him, you know, buy, you know, buying the way they have. So, so I think, you know, they need to really go back to how they got, you know, to being one of the top clubs in the world, which is, you know, academy, you know, grown, having a philosophy, buying players that fit that philosophy. You know, you buy Antoine Griezmann, you buy Philippe Coutinho, these guys, you know, positionally it doesn't make sense. They're not it. Griezmann was playing, you know, maybe as like a center forward, like a false nine type of player at Atletico. He can deputize on the wing, but he's not like a, you know, he's not now now winger. So then when you stick him on the wing, he's going to be unhappy. He, he said he forgot how to dribble earlier this year. Um, you know, Coutinho, he's basically a free 10. He can also play on the wing, but that's not his natural position. You know, there's only a few teams that play with a number 10 role. And, you know, that's not Barcelona typically. You know, Bayern Munich, you know, where he went on loan, they, they have, you know, the 10 position they play with uh, Muller there. So that's why he didn't end up moving probably permanently. There's, there's only a handful of teams that play that. And so, you know, to try to stick him in the middle of midfield as like a number eight position. That just does not work at all. You try to put him on the wing, and you know he's not entirely comfortable out there. Look, so it's just poor planning. Look, Coutinho is a player that you build a team around, and Barcelona is was not and is not in a position to build around him as long as Messi's in the squad. Right? You're not going to change your formation for the signing of Coutinho. Exactly. Um, Coutinho was thriving in that ten role, right, at Liverpool. He was in great form before he signed, but. You know, he is made for that center attacking midfield position. We saw him used on the left wing a bit. It was a, it was a fluid system. Um, he was moving around, but he did occupy the left wing, and he was fine. Barca signed him and started playing him on the left wing. He's just not built for that. He doesn't have the pace to play on the left full-time, uh, and that's not where he's most comfortable. Like you said, yeah. he, he, can, he can likewise deputize the wing, but it's not the right fit for him. Barcelona purchasing Coutinho and Griezmann is basically saying – who are the most expensive attackers right now <laughs> and let's sign them in hopes of, of, you know, making progress. And that's not how you do it. Yeah. And that's, you know, Klopp, that's kind of why he, he wasn't, you know, necessarily sad to see continue leave because, you know, he likes to play with, you know, three um, more defensively minded midfielders. So, you know, Coutinho didn't necessarily fit in that system for him. Um, and, you know, like, likewise for Barcelona, just, you know, they just seem to be throwing cash around just, you know, just for the sake of it. I think, you know, Dembele's purchase, we talked about this a little before, but, you know, I think it makes the most sense out of all these three. I mean, he's, he really fits the, the mold as, as a winger. And I think as a Barcelona winger, he, I mean, you look at his stats, you look at his, you know, player radar, it's pretty impressive. He, I think he's just gotten incredibly unlucky with injuries. Um, you know, maybe, you know, he's had some issues apparently, but, you know, I think he, he really has the tools to become an elite winger, an elite player, um, if he isn't already. I just think, you know, he needs to stay healthy. I agree with you. I think, first of all, just positionally, Dembele is the only one of, of those three big signings that actually slots into a position in that Barcelona side. Right. So just structurally, 
that one makes the most sense. Um, he also is the youngest of the three. He has possibly the brightest future. Um, and like you said, injuries have really plagued him. Now, I don't know at what point the number of injuries just becomes, you know, unbearable and, and they just decide to sell him. I don't know, you know, because he's worth nothing if he's not on the pitch. So it'll be, you know, he really needs to have a bounce back season and he needs to make it through the season uh, in 2021. Yeah. But my hopes are still, you know, I'd label, I'd label Dembele as kind of a question mark in terms of how you'd rate the signing. Yeah, for sure. But I, I would say, the yeah, exactly. Uh, but the clock is ticking. Time, I would say, is running out for him to kind of prove his worth. And looking at, you know, the amount of money that they spent on those three deals, or any of these deals, really. I mean, if you're a club looking to sell, and Barca is interested in one of your players, I mean, you're probably licking your chops because they don't know how to negotiate. I mean, they're overpaying, it seems like, on every single deal. And it's just like a, a rookie and like football manager in, in, in FIFA career mode where they're just trying to, to trying to get their player and they're desperate. I mean, you know, Barcelona should, you know, have the leverage here. I mean, most players want to play for Barcelona, but it's, it's disappointing how much they pay. Disappointing. I mean, hopefully we see it, you know, change. There are no signs of it changing with the obviously very recent news. Again, you could credit that to simply, you know, financial necessity. But uh, just not promising for, for, you know, Barca supporters. I saw um, an interesting thing. Um, mm -hmm. It was a swap deal, uh, Neymar in exchange for Griezmann and, uh, and uh, Coutinho. Uh, that, that was interesting. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? That is interesting. You know, after 2018, the World Cup, I, did, I was like, I don't want Neymar back because the, the diving was just getting to me. <laughs> Nowadays, you look at Barcelona, I'm, I'm willing to look past it. You know, that's not him. That's not him anymore. Um, bring back MSN, bring back the glory days. But uh, no, in, in reality, I'm, I'm happy with it. I would love to see it happen. Like we said, Coutinho and Griezmann do not fit the system. Um, and, and Neymar does, frankly. We already saw it. They, we, they proved MSN were one of the best front threes of all time. And... I think if you're a Barca fan, I think it's a, it's crazy to say you wouldn't you wouldn't like to see it happen. Yeah, and I think from PSG's perspective, I mean, that makes a little sense. I don't think they're like, I don't think they need to get rid of Neymar. I think you know his contract situation is a little more favorable than it was a few months ago. Um, but I, I think like like you said, you know, you could really build around Griezmann and, and Coutinho. I think it, you know they are kind of similar players in, in some ways, but uh, you know I, I think if you really you know focused on a way you know that, that played to their strengths um instead of you know kind of fitting them into an existing team i think you know you could really um have something and i think griezmann griezmann um you know going back home to france that, that could be something special for him i guess you know he did play i think he played for marseille or something like that so they are poc's rival mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. um you know theoretically I mean, yeah, something tells me griezmann doesn't care <laughs> something about him tells me he doesn't care i mean if if he is the uh the legend that he considers himself maybe uh, PSG is the right next step for him. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he has quite the ego, probably. Uh, ego. That, that that decision and I, that whole saga is is so funny, especially because he left just a year after. Like I know. You know, one thing if it was a few years, but like to to have that whole saga and then leave a year later to the same club you're linked with, it's just really weird. Um, so yeah, that I feel bad for Atletico fans, I guess, but. Yeah. I mean, they're still in the Champions League, so. Amazingly athletic. I mean, it's you got to give Simeone so much credit. Um, Griezmann had, he did have huge shoes to fill. 
And I wouldn't say that they've been filled by any means. Jao Felix is yeah still promising, but I mean it hasn't been hasn't been worth his his transfer fee yet. Um, but they're still competing. They just drew with Barca, uh, putting Real Madrid four points ahead in La Liga. They're still competitive. So credit to Simeone and and to that whole system. Yeah, I mean that was kind of an uncharacteristic signing, you know, signing Felix for you know over a hundred million. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the Griezmann sale obviously allowed them to do that. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Atletico, unlike Barcelona, is, is a team who knows who they are. Um, I think you know Kike Setien is trying to get Barcelona back to that identity, but you know right now they just they, they I mean they just keep dropping points in La Liga also. I mean so short term they're not doing great either. So. A lot, a lot of problems. And, uh, you know, since Pep Guardiola left, I, how many managers have Barcelona had? Have they had f- four or five managers, possibly? I, think. I, I, don't, I don't know. Either way, in the last nine years, I, I think they're averaging a new manager every two years, which you just can't establish, you know, a culture and, and, and keep that culture uh, with that much turnover. Yeah, it kind of uh, reminds me of, um, you know, Dortmund after Klopp left. They've kind of been, you know, they 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 still have that, you know, counter-pressing style, you know, intensive style, but, you know, it just seems like everyone is just a knockoff of that. So they've, they've gone and, you know, ha- had a lot of turnover with their coaches and they, they haven't really been satisfied. And I think uh, Lucien Favre is probably going to end up leaving after the season. So, you know, mm-hmm. similarly, you know, Barcelona needs to, you know, really figure out, uh, you know, who they are and, um, you know, find a, a manager and maybe a, you know, a new sporting director that, um, that are aligned because I mean, they've had a you know a lot of issues with that. Absolutely. Let's uh, you know, before we thrash Barcelona some more, let's <laughs> I, let's I'm going to talk about at least a couple good transfers they've made. Um, give them some credit because they lost they've lost a lot of talent over the last five six years, and and a couple players have come in and made a difference. Uh, first of all, Luis Suarez, uh, who was bought I think the summer of twenty. 14 um he's been incredible i mean he is slowing down but he has been incredible and he was the right guy for the job and, and him and Messi have linked up so well since he joined it's been, he's been an absolute joy to watch yeah i think him and benzema just kind of get lost because they were playing in the shadow of Messi and ronaldo but i mean they're as consistent of strikers as there are in the world and you know at his peak you know he was arguably the best striker in the world um so you know that that is you know a great signing and um yeah, yeah. I mean, MSN. You know what doesn't happen without Suarez. So. Absolutely. I mean, he is the S. So, right. <laughs> no, but uh, besides Suarez, f- personally, my favorite signing, very recent, Frankie De Jong, seventy-five million euros this past summer. Um, I love Frankie De Jong. What a class player. This is this is a, a signing that just makes sense, right? I mean, it's it's a guy. You know, he played a. You know, at Ajax, you know, you know, somewhat similar style to Barcelona. You know, he he fits that mold of a you know Sergio Busquets or maybe, um, you know, a Xavi. Or, you know, he has that technical pedigree, and so you know, it wasn't like a square you know square peg in a round hole. It was it was a perfect fit, and I think you know even as it took a little time to adjust, you know, he's really come to his own recently. Um, so that's just you know an example of a tra- you know what the transfer policy policy should be, you know, finding players that you know, align to your strategy, um, you know, fit in the team um, rather than just, you know, trying to find the, you know, the quote unquote best, you know, players available. <clears throat> You're not, you know, just not trying to force them into the system. Frankie de Jong fits in the system. 
He can play deeper. He can play. He can play more attacking if you need him to. He's very versatile, um, and and he does play that more traditional Barcelona style, if you will. Um, and and no, he's very adaptable, uh, very dynamic player. Love Frankie de Jong, and yeah, I mean we'll see how he progresses moving forward. But he has a very 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 high ceiling. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, and so you know I wanted to uh, talk. You know, go in a little bit about, uh, you know, going off of Frankie de Jong, how Barcelona has gone from, you know, their peak prime Barcelona when, when Guardiola was in charge, like 2008 to, to 2011 or so, um, and just kind of go through different positions and players that have come and gone and see, you know, how they've done. So, first of all, uh, Guardiola's first season, um, I'm not sure if you know, 2008 to 2009, they won six trophies six trophies that season um they won so under his under his tenure they won the league three times the copa del rey once the spanish super cup three times the champions league twice the super cup twice and the club world cup once which is like that's ridiculous for for three seasons um but like we mentioned earlier they do still have some of the staples like messi busquets pk but you know there are a lot of transfers that have gone wrong i'll start with a few that have gone right uh, we mentioned the striker situation. They went from Eto to Zlatan to David Villa to Suarez. And Suarez may be the highest performing out of all of them. David Villa was fantastic, but you know Suarez is, has just been exceptional. Victor Valdez, uh, the goalkeeper back in the day, was perfectly replaced by Ter Stegen. Ter Stegen's emerged as one of the best goalkeepers in the world. So well done to Barcelona there as well. I think he came from uh, Gladbach, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, sure, I'll let me check. Out yeah, that. and then uh, Eric Abidal, the left back, Jordi Alba is now the aging. sporting director. Now the sporting director, who uh, you know had a feud, it seemed with Messi. Oh, just I hate to see it. Yeah. Hate to see it. Uh, Jordi Alba's replaced him pretty well, but some transfers that have been frustrating and that have not lived up to expectations. Center back situation. PK has been great. Umtiti and Longley were brought in to replace Puyol and Mascherano. And there is such a massive gap in, in quality there. Umtiti and Longley are both, you know, solid center backs, but that's, it's nowhere close to the quality, I think, that, you know, they once had there. Yeah, I mean, we're just waiting for them to take that next step. And, um, you know, it's been a shame because you know, I think both players are, you know, very talented. But for whatever reason, they just kind of um, – I don't know, haven't adapted. I think Longley has done better than Umtiti has. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, I mean, it's also, you know, just incredible, um, you know, tough shoes to fill. I mean, yeah, that's true too. Sure I mean, know. nearly that whole side is is full of generational talents. And I think, you know, that side is incredible because, you know, it's not just like you have Messi or, or someone you, that you just kind of rely on. That team, you know, uh, you know, played so well together. I mean, they had all these incredible talent, but they also just, you know, played as a unit incredibly well. I mean, you know, uh, you know, Messi's, you know, false nine, that famous game against uh, Real Madrid. I mean, it's just, it's incredible to watch. I think anyone who hasn't seen it should should go back and watch the highlights. I mean, him and Eto and, and the midfield, just the way they linked up was just, um, you know, amazing. I mean, that, that whole era was fantastic. If you're going to watch highlights, I'd say watch, you know, the 2011, uh, 2010, 2011 highlights. Best, best team of all time, that Barcelona team. Front three of Messi, Villa, and Pedro. Which, you know, Pedro is not the biggest name, but if you just watch the way that all these guys played together, and, and again, the link-up play, 
it's you've never seen anything like it before and i have chills thinking about it but it's just i mean it gives you know soccer it gives football the nickname the beautiful game because it's beautiful um and and at the heart of that was the combination of xavi and iniesta who once again it's it's nearly impossible to fill those shoes but you know ivan rakitic and arturo vidal they're not that's not the answer and again not a long-term answer you have de young who who you know was a good good call but it's just it's just not it's not the same and i don't know when it'll be the same yeah it's, i mean it's a tough call i think you know rakitic and, and um vidal you know they were solid um especially in that 2014 2015 team um you know it was interesting how, how that transition worked i think you know um i think it was what enrique right after uh um after uh, pep correct yes yeah so i, I think you know, looking back at their style, it was so different from Pep's style, but it was still, you know, incredibly effective. I mean, that, that counterattacking style of, you know, Neymar, Messi, and, uh, <clears throat> and uh, Suarez, you know, I, I think it, it worked, you know, incredibly well. Obviously, they won the Champions League. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of credit has to be given to Enrique because, you know, it's not easy to come after Pep and, and, and make your own imprint on the team. So, um, you know, a lot, a lot of credit for that. But, uh, you know, going back to, to um, you know, what we've talked about with transfers, uh, I'm reading this book, Soccer Manics, I've told you about, uh, Jacob. But, you know, basically the main thing that, you know, he stresses in there about transfers is, you know, once again, it's it's about how a player fits into a team. It's not just, you know, it's not just about how, you know, if a striker has a slightly better conversion rate or something like that. It's about, you know, how he fits in the team because, you know, ultimately it is a team game. So, Look, I mean, Joe Linton, when he signed for Newcastle at first, was not not the right exactly. signing, it seemed. <laughs> I mean, he's just like a promising like player, like sure, but it, it made no sense positionally. It made no sense in, in with the style of play that Newcastle does or has. So, I mean, that's why Rafa Benitez did not want to sign him because he, he knew he'd be overpaying. He didn't fit the style. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. You, you could go for a cheeky Joe Linton Griezmann swap, maybe. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no, but uh, I mean, we I mean, we already talked about Neymar being replaced. Uh, by, by Dembele and Coutinho. It's not necessarily worked out. But, you know, the last one I want to talk about, one of my favorite players ever, um, Danny Alves, who revolutionized the right-back position. And if you watch his link-up play with Messi alone, again, beautiful to watch. Sergi Roberto and Nelson Semedo have been selected uh, to, to replace Alves. And once again, Alves is a, a generational talent, hard to fill the shoes. But Roberto and Semedo is not it either. Yeah, and I think Sergio Des has been linked to Barcelona recently. Uh, you know, obviously American, uh, plays at Ajax. I think, you know, he fits that that bill, you know, another Ajax player. Um, but, you know, he's more similar to Danny Alves, you know, very attacking, very, very exciting. So, you know, I think Barcelona, that, that would be a great fit. You know, who knows if they have the funds for that. But um, oh, I know, they, they, I know. it doesn't matter if they do, they'll spend <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah, it. It yeah. doesn't matter if they have the funds. <laughs> I mean, Dest has been, you know, seen wearing Barcelona gear, so that would be, you know, very cool from, from many perspectives to see him, you know, go go to Barcelona. I think, you know, that that's someone who would be able to take on a, that attacking role, that kind of Barcelona style that you know Semedo and and Roberto haven't lived up to. Yeah, would love to see that. Would yeah, and you know, would love to see an American at Barcelona. Maybe, what can I say? Well, I have to get the kit there. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, that that just about wraps up. My thoughts on on that, on that. I mean, do you have anything else, Avi? 
yeah, I mean, I guess if any Barcelona, um, you know, hierarchies listen to us, I would, my advice to them would be, uh, you know, invest in La Masia, uh, protect Ansu Fati. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, what they've gotten wrong. They've gotten some things right. But, you know, ultimately, I think they just need to go back to the roots. And I think they need to give up on, on finding another Messi because, you know, you probably aren't going to find another Messi. You just need to, uh, you know, improve your team. Yeah. Yep, they're focusing on the impossible goal, and, and they need to t- look at the you know the steps, the, the smaller steps, and the more immediate steps before doing that. Um, you know, while thinking about the long term. But like you said, Ansu Fati, Carlos Alenia, Ricky Puig, keep an eye and, and keep developing them because you know that's how you're gonna make it back to the top. Yeah. Well, uh, that just about wraps it up for today. So, I mean, thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Fluid Footy Pod. Make sure you uh, follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to us right now. Avi? Yeah, I got one more thing. I uh, just got a shout out uh, St. Maximin. Uh, you know, he's been nominated for Premier League Player of the Month. So, uh, you, know, you know, big ups to him and uh, go vote for him. Uh, you know, obviously he's our theme song. So, you know, yeah. also I'm wearing his jersey. So, you know, got to shout him out. St. <laughs> Maximin with a hat trick of assists the other day. But uh, yeah. Shout out to Maximin. Once again, thank you guys for tuning in. We will catch you next time. St. Maximin, on the wing. And you got two men down just being him. They wearing Gucci. So in Gucci. Because you know me, I'm drinking Gucci.